Welcome to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcast. Feel free to download these sermons and share them with your friends and family. Thanks for listening. God bless. Are you excited to be a Christian this morning? Are you? Yeah, are you? It's good to be a Christian, isn't it? We need to live lives of excitement. Why? Because you can be going through difficult times in your life. And if you just look back and remember and remind yourself that you're a Christian, that you've been cleansed by the blood of Jesus, you've been saved for eternity, you're living a life of eternity right now, when you die or when Christ returns, you're going to be with him forever. Isn't that exciting? And so when we come to church or when we come together or when we wake up in the morning, we need to express that joy and that excitement that we're alive in Christ no matter what's going on, but we're alive in Jesus. Amen? We're living in good times today because Jesus Christ is about to break through the clouds and come and take us home. Amen? So be excited. Do as Paul said, rejoice. And he said again, I say rejoice no matter what you're going through. Learn to be content No matter what, in whatever state you're in, we've got to learn by the grace of God, by the strength of Jesus, Him alone. That's the only way that we can be content when we're going through difficult times. Amen? In the storms of life, Jesus is there. And He's, it's Him. It's not a ghost. It's not a ghost to come and haunt us. It's Jesus walking on the water. In this storm, He's there for us. We prayed in the prayer room that as we walk on the water and the storms are crashing all around, We know that even if we fall, Jesus is there to immediately pick us back up again. Amen? Amen. This morning's title is, This is Not What I Expected. Has anybody said that before? This is just not... Oh, the word just isn't in there. This is not... This is just not what I expected. Father, we thank you, Lord, this morning that we can look to your word. Holy Spirit, we need the anointing of the Holy Spirit, right now, to be in this place, to bring forth this word, Lord. Lord, I pray that you do a mighty work in me, a mighty work in us this morning, Lord, as we look to your word, God. Lord, it's an honor, it's a privilege to be called to preach your word, God. I'm humbled this morning, Lord. Lord, I know that, Lord, I can do nothing without the power of the Holy Spirit. So, Jesus, I'm asking you just to come upon me and to be in this place. Speak to our hearts. Soften our hearts, open our hearts to hear from God. I ask this in Jesus' name. And all God's people said, Amen. We, uh, in life, a normal thing to do is to make plans. In life, a normal thing to do is to have things in order and to have kind of some goals. And there's nothing wrong with that. We need those things. If we don't have goals, if we don't have plans for our life, if we don't have things set up and, and, you know, some, some ways that we want to see things come to pass, I mean, we're not going to be of much good because our, we won't know what's, what's going on, right? But how many of you know that when you, when you go out to do something, to be obedient to the Lord, you go out to pursue His will for your life, you, you start, you know, a new project in your life, Whatever it may be, sometimes it, the way that you comprehend it to happen, the way that you think that it's going to play out, because we all play that. When we, when, say for instance, you get a new job, and you know what the job, your job uh, requirements are, you know what you're going to be doing 9 to 5 during the days, you know it all, and so you have this mindset and this assumption that you know, okay, it's probably going to be like this, it's probably going to work out like this, after a few months I'll get a raise, and, and so on. Do you hear what I'm saying? And so we have these expectations, but quite often in life, we get into these things and we see that our expectations are not taking place, but everything that's happening is extremely unexpected. It's, it takes you off guard. Whether you get married and you think, man, it's going to be bliss, marriage, bliss, marital bliss, and just love and just incredible romance, the whole marriage. And next thing you know, it's like you're arguing. Next thing you know, you're sleeping on the couch. This is not what I expected. 
I expected my wife to be, you know, loving me all the time and just telling me good things and whispering sweet nothings in my ear. Now she's arguing at me because I didn't roll the, put the toilet paper on the proper way. And I, you know, forgot to clean up, you know, after eating. And now she's yelling at me. This is not at all what I expected. I thought marriage was supposed to be great and lovely. And now I'm sleeping on the couch, right? There's all sorts of different things. You buy a new car. Whether it's used but new to you, you buy a new car or a used car. Even worse, you buy a brand new car. And two months, three months, four months later, it's busted. It's broken. You need to repair it. This is not what you expected. You buy your first home. You're so excited. You're lying there in bed on your first night of getting the keys. You're lying there in bed. And all of a sudden, you start feeling drips dripping on your nose. Honey, stop it. It's not me. It's the roof leaking. We didn't expect that. It was just, they looked at it all. They just sold us a house. We didn't expect this to happen. Many times, life can just come about and, and, and take us off guard. We'll be living our lives. We'll get up in the morning and we all have a normal routine. I have a routine in my life. I get up at a certain time. I have certain times before I go to work and then I go to work. And when I come home, I, I have to shower because I stink. And then we have supper and we have routine in life. But at times, life can throw unexpectancies at, at us. And it's like, how do we deal with this? What are we supposed to do? I just, this is taking me off guard. I've been blindsided. I don't know where to go. And you think back on in 1941, December 7th, 1941, at 7.53, out of nowhere, Japan came. And unexpectedly, completely took them off guard at Pearl Harbor and bombed Pearl Harbor. I believe it was 2,400 people were killed in this unexpected, an unexpected attack that happened. They were just living their lives. They were just, you know, do, going about enjoying their families. It was, a, it was a place where the U.S. Army would train at Pearl Harbor close to Hawaii. And they thought they were safe there from their enemy. But out of nowhere, Japan had this plan that nobody knew about except them. And out of nowhere, on December 7th, 1941, all of a sudden they're being bombed. And they had no time to, to fight back. They had, they were, it was just, they were taken off guard. And they had no idea that was going to happen. They had no idea. They didn't plan that. If they knew it was going to come, if they knew that they were going to be attacked, they would have prepared themselves and expected it to come. It's like Jesus talks about when a thief, if, if we knew a thief was going to come and rob us of our house and come in and steal our possessions and break in, we would be ready, right? We'd be prepared. We wouldn't be sleeping. We'd be at the door with a baseball bat, Louisville slugger, getting ready to take this thief out of my house, right? But they weren't prepared for this in 1941. And then you think back, you know, years later, a few years ago, 2001, 9-11 in New York City, out of nowhere, they just went to work. Businessmen, businesswomen, people down on the streets, in, in, in homes, around the trade centers. They're just living their life. They didn't expect anything different. It may be, I forget, it was like a Tuesday or Wednesday morning. They thought it would be the same as yesterday. They get their coffee. They say hi to Joe and Bob. They sit down. They start their work. And they're just going about their routine. And out of nowhere, the plane comes and hits. And moments later, the other plane comes and hits. And just shortly after that, thousands of people are missing and dead. And there's absolute chaos in New York City. Out of nowhere, all the radio stations, TV stations. I was at work in St. Jacob's. And I, and I just heard, I didn't even know what the trade centers were. And I heard all these people that I worked with buzzing and telling me and filling me in and crying. and It was just chaos. Worldwide chaos in that moment. Unexpected. Worldwide chaos. And this, this, this happens in life. You think it's going to go a certain way. You think it's supposed to be a certain way. And then all of a sudden, it goes the complete opposite of what you planned and what you thought. Amen? And we as followers of Jesus, if you are a born-again Christian this morning, you have absolutely nothing to fear. If you are living your life for Jesus, you're following Jesus in your life. You're being obedient, being led by His Spirit. You're in God's will for your life. You have nothing to fear. You don't have to worry about what might come. You don't have to worry about what might happen in your life. Because the Bible says, God, in Isaiah 55, 8, God says, my ways are not your ways. And my thoughts are not your thoughts. Aren't you glad that God doesn't think the way we think? Aren't you glad for that? The things that go through our minds, 
The thoughts we have about people and things and situations. Aren't you glad God's not like that? Aren't you glad, aren't you God, aren't you glad that God is God? And He's not a, a mere man like myself? Aren't you glad that God is perfect? And holy and righteous. And his thoughts for us are pure. His thoughts for us are lovely. They're innumerable. More than the sands of the sea. That's God's thoughts for us. And he says, my thoughts are not the way I think of things, beloved. It's not the way you think. You can have plans. You can work things out. But it may, it's not going to happen exactly like that. Because I'm God. Sovereign God. Ruling and reigning over everything in your life. Because you've submitted it to me. And so when things come about differently than you expected, you have an assurance. You have a peace within your heart. You can keep walking on, knowing that th though it's completely different from what you thought it was going to be, you still know that Almighty God is in control. Amen? What a peace that brings me. What a peace that can bring God's people. Amen? Knowing that despite what circumstances say, despite what things look like now, Praise God. God is in control. Hallelujah. And he says, my ways, the way I work things out, it's not how you think it's going to work out. My thoughts, my ways, they're higher. They're so much higher than yours. So don't even try to comprehend what God is going to do. Just trust him. Amen? Don't try to figure God out. Just read his word, love Jesus, and trust him. That's all we can do. Amen? My plans, when I got married, I've been married for over six years now, and December was our sixth anniversary. The most beautiful day of my life, sweetheart. Scoring brownie points, man. <laughs> but my plans, when we were married at the age of, I was 20, almost 21, and we got married young, but I was in love, and the Lord confirmed it. I knew it was God's will. And, and my plans, we got married, go on our honeymoon, just to enjoy my wife, just to love my wife, just to experience new things with my wife under the covenant of marriage, knowing that all is well, knowing that God is pleased in everything about this marriage, knowing the freedom I had in that. I was so stoked. I was young and married to a beautiful woman. Come on. Amen? I was, like, for real, I was like, man, this is great. And my plans were, you know, our plans, but maybe they're just mine, she didn't know about it. But our plans, at least I thought they were our plans, was just to enjoy each other. And we both, you know, we both had full-time jobs. We both go to work and and, and, and bring home a bi-weekly paycheck, and we had no debt at the time, maybe on car, and boy, that's different, but anyways, <laughs> praise the Lord, but we, you know, we purchased a car, and we had an apartment together, and we were, you know, working, and we go grocery shopping together, and we could watch some TV shows together, I wouldn't have to leave the apartment at night and say, you know, I'll see you tomorrow, hopefully, if you're not busy, like, we were together, and I, my plan was just to enjoy her, pursue our careers together, you know, save up money in our bank account. That was the plan. This is the order. This is the plan that we had in mind. Enjoy one another. Pursue a career. Find out what God has for us career-wise. Get money in the bank. Purchase our first home. Enjoy each other some more in that first home. Think about kids. Enjoy each other some more. Think about kids some more. Maybe talk a little bit about having kids. Enjoy each other some more. And then have kids. And then grow old together. I had it all planned out. That was my plan for my marriage. That was our plans as a young married couple. But let me tell you, God likes to do things His way. Shortly after that, we knew that we were called the ministry. Shortly after that, I came home on a Monday night. My wife said, Matt, we've got to go to the grocery store. And we're in the grocery store. She's like, Matt, I really think I need to you know, check if I'm pregnant. So she bought a little thingamajig. I have no idea what she bought. I'm like, girl, you're going to waste 10 bucks on that? What is this thing? We went home. She was in the washroom for quite some time. Half an hour later, Matt, I'm pregnant. I said, what? Look at the list. Look at the plans. This is completely out of order. This is number six, and now it's happening number one. What's going on here? You're pregnant? No, you're wrong. Do it again. You're wrong. And sure enough, my wife was pregnant. We didn't have a home. We didn't settle in our careers. We didn't know. It was just, that was it. We were going to have a baby. And my point in telling you that, and then next thing you know, we still haven't bought our first home, but we got the joy of the Lord and we are in God's will. And we know that our marriage is exactly where we need to be for such a time as this. 
And so my point in telling you that is it's okay to plan things out. But God ultimately, when you surrender your life to him, he takes you on a different route. He does things differently. And it's humbly bowing before him saying, Lord, though I didn't expect it to be like this, though I didn't understand at all, even hardly any of it at all, I'm trusting you because I know that I'm in your will. And I know that your ways are greater than my ways. Amen? That's what we can be sure of. The book of James chapter 4, 13 to 14 says this says, come now, you who say, today or tomorrow, we will go to such and such a city, we will spend a year there, we will buy and we will sell, we will make a profit, we'll make some money, whereas you do not even know what's going to happen tomorrow. He says, whoa, slow down. It's okay to have plans, but don't plan it all out. Don't say for the next year, I know exactly where we're going because God's going to want to change that most likely. God's going to want to do his plans and fulfill his will in your life. So the Bible says, don't plan even a year ahead. Don't say we're going to move here. We're going to stay there for two, three, four years. We're going to do this. We're going to get this amount of money. God says, no, just enjoy your life day by day, trusting in me and let me lead you in the path of my will in your life. Amen. And that's what we need to succumb to and submit to. Turn to your Bibles to 2 Kings chapter 5, please. Second Kings chapter five. <clears throat> we'll read verse one. We're just going to read our text through one to, one to 14, and then we're going to chat about it. Second Kings five. Now Naaman, a commander of the army of the king of Syria, was a great and honorable man in the eyes of his master, because by him the Lord had given victory to Syria. He was also a mighty man of valor, but he was a leper. And the Syrians had gone out on raids and had brought back captive a young girl from the land of Israel. She waited on Naaman's wife. She was a slave girl for Naaman's wife. Then verse 3, then she said to her mistress, if only my master were with the prophet who is in Samaria, for he would heal him of his leprosy. She's talking about Elisha. If only Naaman would go see Elisha, he would be healed. Verse 4. And Naaman went in and told his master, the king, saying, This and this said the girl who is from the land of Egypt. So the king of Syria said, Naaman, go now and I will send a letter to the king of Israel. So he departed and took with him ten talents of silver, six thousand shekels of gold, and ten changes of clothing. When I read that, I said, Is this a woman, Naaman, taking ten pairs of clothing? It's a man. He's thinking, wow. Anyways, that's supposed to be funny. You're supposed to laugh there. The amount of money he took was actually $3,840,000 in today's money. So he goes to King of Israel. He brought the letter, verse 6, to the king of Israel, which said, Now be advised when this letter comes to you that I have sent Naaman, my servant, to you, that you may heal him of his leprosy. And it happened when the king of Israel read the letter that he tore his clothes and said, Am I God to kill and to make alive again? That this man sends a man to me to be healed of leprosy? Therefore, please consider and see how he seeks a quarrel with me. And so it was when Elisha, the man of God, heard that the king of Israel had torn his clothes, that he sent to the king saying, Why have you torn your clothes? Please let him come to me, and he shall know that there is a prophet in Israel. Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of the house of Elisha. And Elisha sent a messenger to him, saying, Go, Naaman, and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. Verse 11. But Naaman became furious and went away and said, Indeed, I said to myself, He will surely come out to me, and he will stand, and he'll call on the name of the Lord his God, and he'll wave his hand over over the place and he'll heal the leprosy are not the abana and the and the far far parthi rivers of damascus better than all the waters of israel could i not wash in them and be clean so he turned and went away in rage and his servants came to naaman and spoke to him and said my father if the prophet had told you to do something in it personally to himself to his face face to face something great would you not have done it how much more then when he says to you wash and you'll be clean so he went down and dipped seven times in the Jordan River, according to the saying of the man of God, and his flesh was restored like the flesh of a little child, and he was clean. Amen. Naaman said many times there, this is not at all what I was expecting. 
Okay. The first thing I want to look at this morning is unexpected sickness, unexpected physical illness, infirmities, disease that can come upon you and me. We all know what happens. You can be living your life, you can exercise, eat healthy, and suddenly you're, you're, you're stricken with a disease, whether it be cancer, whether it be a flu, whether it be whatever, whatever kind of disease suddenly comes upon you. And maybe some of you have experienced, I'm sure you have, suddenly you find yourself ill, you find yourself in a hospital bed, you don't understand what's going on here. And this is what happened to Naaman. Naaman was well-respected. He was a commander in the, in, in the king's army. And he was well-respected, which was a miracle back then for a leper. But he had this disease, leprosy. The Bible doesn't say if he was born with it. It doesn't say anything about how he got it. But the fact is, is he had leprosy. And back then, lepers, and that's why I find it amazing, he was well-respected and loved by many people. Lepers back then were considered outcasts. And I want to read to you just a brief a uh, little bit of, of history of leprosy. Uh, leprosy has been known as the disease since ancient times, probably as far back of 1500 BC. Historically, people with leprosy were treated with great suspicion and usually forced to leave their homes and settlements and live away from everyone else in leper colonies. People were also made to wear special clothing to let others know they had leprosy, to walk away from others, and to ring bells to say that they're coming in their presence. They would sometimes yell out to people, unclean, unclean, stay away from me. They were completely, they were outcasts from the main society. This disease had, had affected millions of people during history and for most of that time. It was regarded as either uh, hereditary or as a curse from God or, or the gods, depending which religion you would listen to. Lepers were known as outcasts. Today, the World Health Organization estimates there are 80, uh, 830,000 cases worldwide of leprosy. Now, some of the symptoms of leprosy. Leprosy begins with infection in the skin, which causes painful swellings or nodules to form. As the infection progresses, it damages the nerves in the fingers, the hands, the toes and face, and other parts of the body around where the, no the, the nodules have formed. This causes a loss of sensation in the affected areas of the skin, which leads people to lep uh, which leads to people with leprosy damaging themselves accidentally, causing wounds and trauma to the affected areas. This creates opportunities for further infections to begin, other bacteria, and it is a cause of much of the disfigurement that is associated with leprosy. That's what Naaman was stricken with. He had boils. He was in extreme pain. He wasn't nice to look at. He was considered an outcast. But the king of Syria accepted him and promoted him as master in the, of commander of the army of Syria. And it was like, why would he be this, this man that was trying to fulfill God's will? Why would this sickness come? And sometimes you and I have the questions, why? Why, Lord, is my family member sick? Why are they in the hospital? Why are they suffering with this pain and this torment and their agony? This is completely not expected in our lives. We thought we'd grow healthy and strong and it's coming down. But listen to me. If you trust in God, He works all things out for good. If you love Him, if you know that you're called according to His purposes, no matter what circumstances look like, and that's easier to say. That's easy to preach when I'm healthy. But I'm saying, when, if you got sick loved ones, bedridden loved ones in hospitals, you can trust in the Lord. And people say, well, mine died. God never healed them. Well, right now, if they're saved, they've been healed holy in heaven. And so we got to press on and keep trusting God. Though there be sickness, unexpected disease and failures in our bodies, in family, loved ones, we need to trust in the Lord. As many of you know, last November, my dad, Pastor Mike, was stricken suddenly, out of nowhere, suddenly with a fatal uh, uh, amount of blood clots in his lungs and a couple in his legs. The doctor said, you should be dead now. And in that time, we didn't know he was in the hospital for four days. We didn't know. We thought, we, there was thoughts he might die here because this is severe. But praise the Lord, we held on. We prayed it through and God raised him up again. And that's what we need to do. When these unexpected diseases like Naaman had come upon us. I think of Lazarus. Lazarus' sisters, they run to Jesus. Jesus, my brother, he's sick, he's going to die. And Jesus purposely waits. 
He purposely waits. You might say, God, where are you? Why aren't you healing me? Why am I still sick? Why are my loved ones still suffering with this? And they said, Jesus, come. And he came a few days later. Lazarus died. His sisters were heartbroken. What have you done? God, why aren't you coming? Why aren't you healing me, my brother? And Jesus came and he had already been dead for four days, the Bible said. And, and, and Jesus said to them, listen to me. If you had only believed, because he said, this sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God. And you and I can believe this morning that when illness and sudden disease, unexpected disease and suffering comes to you or I, we can say, Lord, we're trusting that you are going to get the glory for this, Lord. Whether even if I die, you'll still be glorified in Jesus' name. And the Bible says that he raised Lazarus up. And Jesus was glorified. The whole purpose of that was, was so that God could get glory in his, in his resurrection, in his healing. So hang on if you're suffering with disease or sickness that has been unexpected in your life. It didn't, it didn't hinder Naaman. Naaman kept on going. Naaman was promoted because he just kept a, probably a right attitude and kept trusting the Lord in this unexpected disease. The second thing that took Naaman off guard he was just going about his work, and he overhears that this slave girl, this, quote, nobody, this slave, this, this, this woman in bondage, she, would, she, would, she was a servant, a slave to his wife. She was considered nobody. She was taken hostage, you know, captive by them. Just, he, he overhears this slave girl, you know, through conversation with his wife, that she was saying something like, if you could see this, this prophet, Elisha, then you could be healed. And let me tell you, he heard that advice. It wasn't from a prophet. It wasn't from a great man of God. It wasn't from someone who was of great esteem and great authority. Naaman heard this from a slave girl. You and I need to know that if we're looking for answers in our life, if we're seeking God, they might come unexpectedly from people you would have no clue God would use. It's not always the, the, the big, great prophets or the great televangelists or the great pastors with thousands. It's not anything like that. People with great education or great amount of money. God can take a slave girl and raise her up to speak into a man's life. And it will take you off guard. What you said, what this person said to me, this person is known as, it may even be a homeless person, someone down and out. They speak life. They speak words of life. And you're completely unexpected. So don't, as you, as you walk out in life, as you're seeking the Lord, don't, don't always feel the answers are going to come in some mystical, incredible, powerful way. They may come from a slave girl. And Naaman hears this and he gets excited. The Bible says in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 27 to 28, listen to this verse, this is powerful. We need to remember this. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put the shame the wise He's chosen the weak things of the world to put the shame, the mighty, the things that are despised, God has chosen. I believe that we are going to be amazed at the people and at the ministries and at the things in this life that look like nothing, that look like they're going nowhere. God is going to raise up and it's going to take the world off guard. It's going to be such an unexpected from the way the, the, the eyes of society, the media, the way people think it needs to be done, this nobody, these no-names are going to rise up with the power of God and they're going to have the answer. Amen. I believe it. Unknown men and women who are seeking the Lord, crying out to God, walking in humility, loving Jesus, they're going to rise up and God's going to exalt them and use them for a powerful reason, a powerful testimony they'll have. And that was the case of this slave girl. Amen? Do you believe that this morning? We can't shun the, 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 the broken, hurting people. They could be the very people that have the answer for what we need to hear. Amen? What an unexpectation that would be. If God can make a donkey speak, as Pastor Dale said a few weeks ago in Numbers 22, He can use a slave girl. He can raise someone up who's not even known by anybody. And he could use that man or woman. And he's going to do that. Amen? I want you to read verse 9 to 11 again. Look at verse 9. So Naaman's on his way to see this prophet. Naaman went with his horses and chariot, and he stood at the door of Elisha's house. 
And Elisha sent a messenger to the door, saying, Go and wash in the Jordan seven times, and your flesh shall be restored to you, and you shall be clean. But Naaman became furious and went away, said, Indeed, I said to myself, speaking of Elisha, he will come out to me and he will stand and he'll call on the name of the Lord his God and he's going to wave his hand over the place and heal the leprosy. Naaman was taken off guard. He came this long journey seeking to be healed, trusting the words of God through this slave girl going by faith, believing that he was going to be healed by this prophet Elisha. And he goes to, to Elisha's house and he knocks on the door. Finally, I'm here. I'm about to receive my answer. I'm about to be, receive a miracle in my life. I'm about to, ex, to, 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 to become face-to-face with, with miracle-working power that's just going to blow me away. And he knocks on the door and he's expecting Elisha to come to the door and open that door and he would hear the angels of God singing and he would see you know, lightning come down from heaven and he would see the glory all around this prophet Elisha and immediately he would hit the ground and he would shake and flop around. He'd wake up completely healed. That's what he was expecting. And he stood there and he, had the, he knocked and who came to the door? Not Elisha, his servant, his messenger. And he says, hey, buddy, listen, the prophet says this, go and wash in the river Jordan, dip seven times, you'll be healed. This is not what I wanted. This is not what I expected. Listen, it's not all about the glitz and glam. It's not all about the, the boom and the thunder and the lightning and the, and the, and the miracle working power. God works in mysterious ways. God works in ways that we can't understand. He does things differently than you and I. But Naaman became furious. He says, no, this is not how it's supposed to be. This is not how, quote, church is supposed to be. This is not, you know, it's supposed to go this way. And God's like, no, just step back. Keep letting me be God. Letting me be God in your life and do what I need to do my way, not your way. And he leaves furious. He says, no, 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 no. The prophet's going to come out. He's going to wave his hand all across the air. It's going to be all these wonderful things. He's going to come and shout and lay hands on me. And wait, he actually said he's going to wave his hand all around. And then I'm going to be healed. But that's not what happened. And he was so caught off guard. This is not at all what I expected. I want to be healed. What's going on here? And his servants come to him. He says, buddy, wake up. This is the words of God through Elisha, through his servant. Wake up, trust God. He's like, can I dip in a better river? He's like, this is not at all how I planned this out to be. And finally he goes and he receives his healing. He dips, he obeys the words of the Lord through this prophet. And he dips and he's restored. He didn't get what he thought he was going to get. It didn't happen the way that he thought it was going to happen. Friends, we need to keep trusting Jesus day by day. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Proverbs 3, 5 and 6. Don't lean upon your understanding of things. Acknowledge Jesus in everything you do and He's going to direct your paths. That's, that's how it works. That's the system. That's the program. Right there. Trust in God. Don't look upon what you see with the way things are coming in your life. Don't look at that, but trust in the Lord. Acknowledge Him. Praise Him. Worship Him. Lift up your voice in times of trouble. Worship Him anyway, even if you got to just push it out of you. God, I praise You. I believe You, Lord. And He's going to show you the next step. It may not be right away, but He will show you. And just like Naaman, you'll receive your answer. You'll receive the next thing that God has for you. You'll step into your next, the next bridge of your destiny. You'll walk up the next rung on the ladder that God has for you. It sometimes is a long process. Sometimes he takes us through seasons where we just zip up three or four rungs. And we're promoted, it seems. But then you have seasons where it's a long, hard process where all you have is faith. Nothing more. Keep trusting, amen? And believe. That despite, even though it's a dirty river, Jordan, I believe that out of this dirty river that may stink, it's not very pleasant. This situation that's not very good, it doesn't seem like it's going to work. It doesn't seem like it's going to do nothing. It's not going to accomplish nothing. You go and you jump in anyways. 
And when you come out because of the Word of God, because of the obedience in your life, you will be healed and you will experience the power of God in your life. And the reality of His power. It doesn't come in these ways all the time. Sometimes God reveals, you know, He writes it in the cloud. Sometimes He does that. He opens the Red Sea. Many times He does that. I want to see those times. I don't want to just live a life, a walk of Christ, where it's just all these these mundane things. I want to see great things. But listen to me. They're all great. Dipping in the Jordan or walking through the Red Sea on dry land, they're both great. Why? Because it's how God wants to do it in your life for that time. So walk it out. Reach out. Grab it. Amen? I want you to turn to Mark 7. We'll be closing shortly. Mark 7, please, 31. God works in unusual ways. Amen? He loves to do that, I believe. Mark 7, verse 31. I want us to look at this story here. It's, it's incredible. And again, departing, speaking of Jesus, departing from the region of Tyre and Sidon, he came through the midst of the region of Decapolis to the Sea of Galilee. And then they brought to Jesus one who was deaf and had an impediment in his speech. And they begged him to put his hand on him. They knew that all Jesus needed to do was just touch him. They knew that all Jesus needed to do was just look at him and think and speak, be healed. See, look at me. Eyes be open. They knew that's all Jesus needed to do. Right? So they bring this man to him. And Jesus, and they wanted him to put his hand on him. Verse 33, and he took him aside from the multitude. He's alone now with Jesus. And he put his fingers in his ears. And he spat and touched his tongue. Then looking up to heaven, he sighed and said to him, Afafatha, that is, be opened. Immediately his ears were opened. And the impediment of his tongue was loosed, and he spoke plainly. When I read that, I went back a few verses and I read that. Jesus takes the man aside. He could, do you know, Jesus could have just said, be healed, and he would have been healed. We know that, right? And so why would Jesus take this man aside? And now he's one-on-one. This man can't talk. This man can't see. This man can't hear. This man has big issues. And Jesus in a moment could heal him completely. But the Bible says he takes his fingers. And he sticks his fingers. How would you like it if I came up to you, Marjorie, and I stuck my finger in your ear right now? And I would be mad because I'd be hurting and you would be, you'd be right side of me, right? But I, do you picture this? Right? He sticks, Jesus takes his fingers and he sticks, like, sticks it in his ear. And that's not at all how we think of how it's supposed to be done. And he sticks his fingers in his ear. And then the Bible says he spat and then touched his tongue. And he spoke plainly. And he was healed. And you know, you can, you can imagine people looking from a distance saying, look, look what he's doing. What's Jesus doing? Is he angry with the guy? Is he trying to, like, is he trying to offend this man? By st- is he, he got earwax? He's plucking out. What's he doing? But my point in saying this is that Jesus, and there was another time, In the book of John chapter 9 where Jesus, there's this blind man brought to him and he spits on the ground again and he makes mud and he rubs it in his eyes and bam, he's healed. And then he says, go and wash off in a pool. And he washes the mud off in the pool and the man's, the man's can see and he's healed. We need to look at the things that we would not look at and expect miracles that we would not even understand that would blow us away. And this is not just for healing. This is for life. This is for the plans and the destiny that God has for you and God has for me. He does it in ways that we are not aware of. He works in mysterious ways. He does things so much differently than you and I can even comprehend. Jeremiah 29 11, God knows the plans. He knows the thoughts that he thinks towards you and me. God's not confused about what he has for you, about what he's doing. He's not up in heaven confused about, I'm not, I'm just not sure about you. 
You're too confusing of a person. I know I made you. I know I made you specifically, fearfully and wonderfully made. I know everything about you. I know the amount of hair on your head, but you're just a little bit confusing. I don't know what plans to give you. That's not God. God knows the plans he has for us. And there are plans to give us a future in life, a future and a hope. We don't have to live our lives just, just getting by, not seeing anything being, being done. But we can trust that God knows what He's doing. God knows where He's taking us. And when we seek Him, we'll find Him when we seek Him with all of our hearts. But it's our choice. Amen? God works in incredible ways. And let me tell you that there's been ways many times in my life, especially since coming to Aurelia, that God's done things that I'm like, Lord, this is not at all what I've expected, but it's all a part of your plan. It's all a part of your process for me and for this church and for what God is going to do. It's all a part of it. The things that look bad, the things that don't make any sense, it's all part of God's plan in my life, and I know it. Why? Because I walk with Jesus. Not because I know everything. Not because I'm just a man full of knowledge and wisdom. Not at all. But because I'm walking with God. My plan. The plan that He has for me. I'm fulfilling my God's will for my life and my wife's life. We're walking it out. And so when things come that take us off guard, we just say, God, give us grace, strength, mercy, love, understanding to get through this and to trust you as we walk on. Amen? Dad, would you come to the guitar, please? I just want to close with a story. In closing, you don't have to stand. It might be a little bit longer, but... Dave Wilkerson, many of you might know Dave Wilkerson. Great man of God. I love his ministry. I love his preaching. He's in his 70s now. He's probably 76 or 77 now, and he's, a, he's the pastor of Times Square Church in New York City. Years ago, probably 55 years ago, he was a small... He was about 25 years old. He was about six feet tall, 115 pounds. And the reason I say that is because he always reminds listeners that he was nothing. He was nothing in the eyes of man. He was a tall, skinny, country preacher. Don't get in my face, I'll break you is what they would say to him. And he was a small, little, skinny, country preacher was married, had a young child, and he was a, a pastor of a small country church in Pennsylvania. And one night he was up just spending time with the Lord, and he looked over on his desk being led by the Spirit, drawn to this Time, a, a Time magazine back in the 50s. And he, he felt so just like, like God just wanted him to open up this magazine. He didn't understand why. He opened it up, and he flipped through page after page. He's like, God, what are, what are you trying to say? What are you doing here? A magazine? Why not your word, but a magazine? And he just felt drawn to keep flipping. And as he came across this article, a black and white sketching of a courtroom, you know the sketches they do of people, uh, and there was a, a, a sketch of seven young boys in their, in their early teens. And they were on trial in New York City. for they, they beat and murdered another young boy in the park, in Central Park. And so these seven boys were on trial in this courtroom. We read about stories like that every time, every day. Nowadays, we hear it on the news, we see it. That's nothing new. But there was something about this. God was in this. And when he saw that, he said he started weeping and he was broken. He saw the faces of these, these young men sketched out the anger. He could see it in the sketch. He could see the anger and the hate in the faces of these young men, these murderers of this gang. And so he kept, he just closed it. He didn't understand why, but he knew that God was God was in this. He didn't understand it. Why? But day after day, week after week, the Spirit of God just kept prodding him about those boys. He couldn't get it. He couldn't shake it. These seven boys, he just couldn't shake it. He didn't know them. They weren't his relatives. They were just boys in New York City, miles and miles away, like eight-hour drive away from where he lived. Really, it was, it was nothing to him. And one day God said, David, as clear as an audible voice to him, he said, David, I want you to go help those boys in New York City. What? I have a church here. I, I, I have people under me. 
I have my wife and a small kid. You want me to go eight hours this way to New York City to help boys I don't even know? How am I supposed to find them? How am I supposed to do this? Who am I supposed to go with? How is this going to work out, God? And the Lord said, David, I want you to go and help those boys in New York City. So he told his wife, he said, I've got to go help these boys. He had no idea what to do. The first step would be, get in your car and go to New York City. You're a bit closer then. So that's exactly what he did. He got in his car. 25 years old, country preacher. He said he never wanted to go to New York City. He said he didn't like the city life. It wasn't him. It was out of his comfort zone. He said he might have gone there maybe to see the, you know, the, the buildings and then leave and get back to the country. This was, this was the complete opposite of what David Wilkerson, of the man he was, he, he was out of his zone, comfort zone. And now he's driving with another fellow just to come be, be a companion to New York City. And he pulls there and, and he, they get into New York City. They find themselves a, a hotel room for the night because they found out that the next day were, the, there was going to be a trial for the boys in the court. And so they're like, okay, maybe somehow we can get, you know, because you, a few people could come in and watch the, the hearing or whatever. And so like, maybe, maybe by God's, you know, sovereign plan, we can get into that courtroom because that's the only way I know how to meet, reach, these, reach these boys. They're in custody. What's, so they stayed the night. They found out where the courtroom was and stuff. The next morning they went and they got in a lineup out the door and they're letting people in to come and listen to the trial and stuff in some seats. And they were, they were sitting there, and they got the last two spots in that courtroom. And so they came in, and then after Dave Wilkerson and his, and his companion went in, they were they, no more could go in. They got the last two seats. So they're sitting there. They're like, okay, God. And he was shaking. He was sweating. I don't know what I'm doing here. I'm just trying to be obedient. None of this makes any sense to me, God. And it, it, you can read it all on the cross and the switchblade. It's an incredible book. It's all in there. And he's sitting there in court. His knees are shaking. He's like, okay, God, now what? There's security guards everywhere. They got guns. I mean, there's no way he could just say, boys, can I talk to you for a minute? You know, hey, come here. Let's sit down and have some tea and we'll talk. I need to share Jesus with you. It wouldn't go so well. And the trial is going on. And he saw the boys come out. And the, and the hearing's going on. And things are taking place. He's like, God, it's almost over. Those boys are going to walk out the back door. And then we're going to have to leave. And I'll never see them again. What, what am I supposed to do? He's like, am I supposed to interrupt the court? Am I supposed to stand up and say, listen, I'm, I'm here from God. I need to talk to those boys. And God's like, yep. So he stands up. Be just near the end, before they leave, he's like, excuse me, you know, your honor, excuse me, sir, sit down immediately. No, 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 I'm here. God, God's brought me here from Pennsylvania to, to talk to these boys. I know they're on trial for murder, but please, I'm a pastor, I'm a preacher. I got my Bible here, and he had his Bible. I'm a preacher. Let me please, you know, and you can imagine this, this little skinny, scrawny, tall, you know, preacher waving his Bible. I'm here from God. People are like, are you crazy? And the security guards immediately took him and his friend and they took him outside. And outside there was paparazzi and cameras and people with news reporters. And, and, they, and they're coming out and they're just like, he's like, what is going on here? I, I knew this was going to happen, God. Of course they're going to throw me out. He's thrown out of the courtroom. And as he's walking out the courtroom, one of the reporters, you know, with his camera says, hey, preacher, are you too, because he was holding his Bible, are you too ashamed to wave that Bible? Come on, wave it. Are you ashamed or not? And so David says, I'm not ashamed. And he held his Bible up. And immediately, you know, his hair is frazzled. His clothes maybe are torn from all the, you know, he's not looking so good. Not looking so, quote, holy. And so immediately when he holds the Bible up, the guy snaps a picture. And David's like, I don't know. He's just like, what's going on? They, they drive back home. So discouraged. Long way home. What was that? Few days go by, a couple weeks go by, and the Lord's like, David, I want you to go back to New York City and help those boys. He's like, God, what are you talking about? What are you doing? Why don't you just let me feed my sheep here in the country? <laughs> go back, David. Gwen, his wife, Gwen, I need to go back. What? <laughs> Fine, if you feel it's God, go back. So he got in the car with his companion again and went back. And as they were coming into the city... I forget the name of the bridge, the main bridge going into New York City. He felt immediately the Spirit of God say, stop the car now. 
Because he didn't know where he was going. He didn't know what. He was just trying to be obedient to the voice of the Lord. Completely not understanding any of it. And so he pulls off. His friend pulls off. He's like, wait here. He gets out. David gets out. Just saying, Lord, I'm out. I just, I knew I had to get out. He walks down the road a bit. And then under a bridge, he hears, hey, preacher man. Hey, preacher man. He's like, what? And a, and a, and a group of teenagers hanging under the bridge. It's like, come here, preacher man. And he walks over. They're like, okay, God, I'm just trusting you here. And he goes up. He's like, hey, aren't you that, that preacher man, you know, that came here to help those boys a few weeks back? The guys on trial? Yeah, those were our buddies. He's like, is that, was that you? Is that you, preacher man? He's like, yeah, how did you know? He's like, you're, everyone in New York City knows you. You were on the front cover of the newspaper. Some guy, you were waving your Bible in the front page of the newspaper. He's like, what? And by that connection, do you see what I'm saying? By this foolish thing, he obeyed God. It made no sense. And by getting a picture of him waving his Bible out of the courtroom, they mocked him by putting on the front page. But God used that, turned it around, and made him popular to other gangs who were friends of these guys. So now he's in with the gangs. And, and he gets the chance right then and there, read the book, to preach to these guys. And, he's, and right there immediately, he's got a gang ministry, preaching and telling Christ to, to gang members. And it goes on from there, and it's incredible. And out of that came Teen Challenge. They found an old house, a, a place where drug addicts could come and be set free by Jesus. And now it's, I think there's like 500 Teen Challenges worldwide. And I mean, look what God does. Look what God does with things that make no sense. Things, you're pastoring a church. You're doing something that you feel God has called you to do. Keep doing it. But when God says, okay, I'm bringing some things in that are going to maybe not seem right. It's going to be unexpected in your life. But trust me, go anyway. Keep doing it anyway. Obey my voice anyway. And I'll make sense of it. And I'll be glorified in it. And that's exactly what happened in Dave Wilkerson. Isn't that amazing? Oh, but that's Dave Wilkerson. He's no different than you and I this morning. This is for us. This can be for us. God works in ways that you and I don't. So keep your eyes on Jesus. Keep walking out in your plan that he has for your life. Keep trusting him all the way. When he speaks, obey. When he's silent, trust. When, you're, when, when the heavens seem like brass... You feel like God's not even with you. First of all, you rebuke that lie. Just because you don't hear God does not mean he's not with you. God said, I'll never leave you and I'll never forsake you. Amen? Keep walking. Walk on. If you have no strength left, just sit down and rest in his presence. But don't turn back. Don't go in a way that seems right. There's a way that seems right to a man, the Bible says. But its end leads to destruction. Don't walk according to your flesh. Don't walk according to the world system. Keep your eyes on Jesus and let him lead you like he led, like he led Mr. Wilkerson. And let him do what he wants to do in that. Mundane things that seem to fall apart. Things that seem to go nowhere. Look what he can do. Trust him. Don't give up. Keep running the race. Keep fighting the fight. Knowing that he's with you. Amen? Let's stand. Jesus in my heart
Father, we, we just look to you now, God. And Lord, once again, we just come to your throne, Lord, with desires, with burdens, with concerns, Lord. Jesus, knowing that, Lord, we can cast all of our concerns, all of our cares, all of our weights and burdens, we can cast up upon you because, Lord, you care for us. You're a God who cares for us. Lord, you're not angry. You don't condemn us. Lord, you care for us, God. Lord, we are everything to you. Your church, your people, Lord, are everything to you, Lord. And God, all you want is to see us walking in the destiny that you have planned for us, Lord. But God, we know and we admit and we confess, Lord God, that Lord, as we walk out, Lord, our faith and walk out our life with you, Jesus, we confess that, Lord, when things come that don't seem right, Lord, it's so, it's so tempting to run away, to leave, to leave it all behind, to run the other way, Lord. God, it's so much easier, Father, not to, not to try to understand this thing that makes no sense, not to try to work it out, not to try to keep pressing through it. Lord, it seems, it seems easier, Lord, just to stop and hide and cry and, and murmur and complain and, and change your destiny for our life. But Lord, we want to be a people, God, that walk out your plan regardless of the unexpected things that come our way, Lord. And Father, we do know, Lord, your word says that we are not to be ignorant of how Satan works. God, we know that he's going to come and he's going to come into our lives and he's going to try to thwart God's plan. We say no, devil. We say no in Jesus' name. We will walk out the plans of God for our life. We will be faithful, Lord. And Lord, I thank you that your word says that he who calls is faithful, who also will do it. Lord, as we walk, you will do it. As we walk in obedience, as we walk in faith, you will do it. You will bring it to pass, my God. We don't have to strive. We don't have to work harder. We don't have to do things differently. My God, we can just trust that you will do it, that you will complete the work. Complete it. Complete it. You will bring the work that you have begun to a completion, Lord, until the day of Jesus Christ. Lord, I pray for each one here this morning, God. You know each heart here this morning, Lord. You know desires they have. You know the confusion that may be in some people this morning. They're not sure what you're saying. They're not sure what they're to do. They're not sure, sure where they're to go. Lord, you know those who are struggling with depression here this morning, God. Father, you know those who are angry this morning. You know those who are struggling with bitterness, God. You know those, God, here this morning who are carrying a lot of hurt and pain. Lord, you know us. You know, God. And Lord, as we walk out the plan of God in our lives, Jesus, we look to you to strengthen us, Lord, and to answer, Lord. Just speak one word, God. Just speak one word into our spirit, Lord, that would keep us going strong, Lord. Father, you've called us to walk by faith, not by sight. And Lord, that's what we're determined to do, Jesus. Lord, thank you that, Lord, there is a new season coming. Yes, Lord. Lord, I thank you that in your word in Ecclesiastes, it talks about the different seasons that we go through, Lord. 
And Lord, though there's some here this morning, God, that seem to be going through a long season of waiting, a long season of confusion, a long season of struggling, Lord, as we press on, we will enter that season of new life. Lord, I speak new life in the spring season, God. Lord, as the trees start to bud, as the flowers start to come up from the ground, as the grass becomes green, Lord God, as that refreshing rain falls, we would ask that that same rain from heaven would fall upon us in our lives. And it would bring new life in our lives, Lord God. Father, bring us into a new season, we pray. Lord, bring this church into a new season, God. Bring us into a breakthrough, my God. We trust you, Jesus. No matter what, we trust you, Lord. Bring each person, God. Encourage each person by the power of the Holy Spirit. Lord, lift heavy hearts. Encourage discouraged people this morning. God, do it, Lord. I can't, we can't, but the Spirit of God can. Lord, you're the comforter. That's why you came. Jesus, when you left, you said, it's better that I go because the one I'm sending, the Holy Spirit, is going to be with you always. He's going to come and dwell within you. The Spirit of God lives within you, Christian. You have the Holy Spirit. You have the fruits of the Spirit. Let it work in your life. Let that joy come up. It's in you, Christian. Let that love come up. Let that peace come up. Let that patience come up within you this morning. Just let it work. Let the Spirit of God bring out that fruit in your life this morning. And all those things that make no sense, they'll fade away and all you'll see is the face of Jesus. (laughs) And the light of the Word of God leading you. The light of the Word of God leading you. Lord, I speak life into each person here this morning. I speak freedom in the Holy Spirit in each person. Freedom I speak in Jesus' name. Freedom from the chains that have had them bound for so long. Freedom from the prisons of whatever, addiction, struggle, bondage, depression. I, I speak freedom. Release them in Jesus' name. Open up the gates, Lord God. Break the chains, Lord God. Break the bars, the prison bars, and set them free, O God. Lord, I'm asking you, Lord, to bring us all into some fresh, green pastures, Lord. Yes, Lord. Where we can lie and be refreshed in your presence, Lord. God, we've been striving, we've been we've been going through 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 valleys long enough, Lord. We declare that the mountaintops are there, Lord God. Lord, let us reach that mountaintop this morning, Lord. Each one of us, God, corporately, individually, Lord. That we can soar on wings of eagles, my God. That we can soak in the blessings of God. Lord, you desire to bless your church. You desire to bless your people, Lord. We receive it now, God. You have a table laid out in heaven right now with blessings multiple blessings for your church God we receive them now we eat of them now we take them now Lord God not selfishly but knowing that your love is there to pour them out upon us Jesus Jesus we are going to leave this place filled with the joy of the Lord we are going to leave with hearts lifted up in the Holy Spirit I rebuke any discouragement thank you Lord I rebuke any anger. I rebuke any lies. I rebuke any any heaviness. I rebuke it. God, we will put on the spirit of praise for the spirit of heaviness, Lord. We will be a determined people, no matter what, to praise the name of the Lord. We will praise the name of the Lord. Why don't you right now just praise the name of the Lord? Just say, thank you, God. We praise you, God. Thank him for the answer. Thank him for the health. Thank him for the strength. Thank him for the answers. Now, thank him. Receive it now. Receive it by faith. Receive it now. Doesn't matter what we feel like. Just stretch out in faith and say, Lord, we trust you. We receive it, mighty God. We praise you, Jesus. We glorify the name of Jesus. We love you, Lord. We magnify your holy name, Jesus. You are our good shepherd, Lord. You're leading us in the paths of righteousness, Lord. For your name's sake. This is for your glory, God. You don't lead us, God, for our name's sake. You lead us for your name's sake, Jesus. You want to see us living blessed lives, 
fruitful lives, Lord. But God, you also expect us to endure hardship, to endure hard seasons as good soldiers of Jesus Christ. Father, we declare that we are good soldiers, Lord. But Lord, we're ready for a break. We're ready to sit down and to eat at the table, Lord God, that you have for us, Lord God. Jesus, we will fight. But Lord, we thank you, God, that we're coming into a season of rest. We're coming into a season of blessing where we can put our feet up and just let the Spirit of God do the work He wants to do. Hallelujah. No more waiting. No more striving. No more worries. No more concerns. No more burdens. We're moving forward, Jesus. We're crossing the Jordan River. We're stepping now into the promised land, God. We're going to drink the milk. We're going to eat the honey. And we're going to enjoy you, Lord. We're going to enjoy the ministry. We're going to enjoy fellowship with Christ. We're going to enjoy the power of God. We're going to enjoy fellowship and unity of the Holy Spirit, God. Hallelujah, Jesus. Hallelujah, Lord. Hallelujah, Father. Amen. Amen. Amen, Jesus. Amen. 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 See that guy? He's going to be smiling soon. He's gonna, his head's going to be lifted high, praising God, receiving blessings from the Lord. Amen? Because that hand's going to go down, that hand's going to be lifted up, and he's going to be praising the Lord. Amen? Thanks for listening to Matt Noel Ministries Sermon Podcasts. I trust you were blessed by today's episode. We'll see you next time. God bless.